Yeah, we're going to take a, a, a quick look at the big picture. You know, we've, we've been looking at passages every week. We began by looking at the big picture, uh, true nature, uh, new nature, new community. But we want to take another look. One Bible comment, commentary that I read was extremely helpful. It helped me crisply summarize the book of Ephesians in only three simple words. Six chapters, 155 verses in only three words. And these three words are simple as they are memorable. And so if, I'm hoping that as you hear me speak and explain these three words once, we will all never forget the central message of Ephesians for the, for the rest of our lives. That's kind of cool, isn't it? Uh, so here are the three very simple, very memorable words. Sit, walk, stand. That's it. Sit, walk, stand. These three words capture the entire book of Ephesians. The first word, sit, is from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We looked at this in one of the earlier sermons. We are seated with Christ. And so the first two, three chapters of the book of Ephesians unpacks the reality that we are seated with Christ. Christ's nature has become our nature. We are in union with Christ Jesus. We saw that we are too weak to receive the love of God, but Christ's resurrection power has lifted us up with Christ in and seated us with Christ in the heavenly realms. So sit with Christ. Enjoy his grace. Enjoy his new nature. That's the first word, sit, which kind of captures the essence of chapters 1 to 3. The second word is walk. And this word walk is found in the passage we read last week in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, 1. I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. So in chapters 4 and 5, which we began last week and we're going to spend a few weeks in, the major idea is walking in a manner that is worthy of our calling. Walking in the church as Christ called us to. Walking in our marriages for those of us who are married as Christ called us to. Walk, walking in our singleness for those of us who are single. Walking as a parent in a Christ-like manner. Walking uh, and working in our offices in a Christ-like manner. That's the essence of chapters 4 and 5. And you're going to see that unfold in the coming weeks. So that's the second word, walk. And today's sermon is also on this word, walk. The third word is stand. And that is found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And this talks about the reality of spiritual warfare and how in Christ we have the entire armor of God to take a stand against the evil one. We'll look at this too in the coming weeks towards the end of the series. So three simple words. Sit, walk, stand. And that can summarize uh, the entire book of uh, Ephesians for us. So when you wake up tomorrow morning before you check email 
or WhatsApp or Instagram or whatever you're prone to do, just as I am, uh, I want to invite us before checking that, what if we meditate on these three truths? We are seated with Christ. And because we are seated with Christ, we can, by God's grace, walk in a manner that's worthy of the gospel. And we can stand, take a stand against the evil one in the strength of Christ Jesus. Maybe I shouldn't have shared that three-word summary. Because you're thinking, if, if this man can summarize, or not me, the commentator that I borrowed from, uh, if that person can summarize Ephesians in three words in five minutes, why is this pastor preaching his eighth sermon on the book of Ephesians? Uh, well, it's like this. I can tell you the story of the Lord of the Rings in three words too. Would you rather watch the five, six-part movie series? Would you not? And, 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 and the word of God is just so much more richer than anything. Angels long to look at it. And so we have the joy and the privilege to come together as the church of Christ week after week after week to feast on the riches of, of, the, of God's, God's word. So with that rather long introduction, uh, let's dive into the passage we're going to be looking at this morning. Uh, we began with chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. Uh, on the five values that build gospel community. And today we're going to be looking at verses 7 to 16 from chapter 4. And, and this is looking at to see how gospel community functions and grows. And that's why we titled this sermon, True Nature of Church Ministry. True Nature of Church Ministry. I've requested Pemia to read the passage from us. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 to 16 will come up on screen. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 to 16. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended in this one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Pemia. This is the word of the Lord indeed. I'd like to draw three things out for us from this passage. First, the true structure of church ministry. Second, the true nature of church ministry. 
And third, the true goal of church ministry. The true structure of church ministry, the true nature of church ministry, and the true goal of church ministry. Let's start with the first thing, the true structure of church ministry. Sorry if that sounds complicated. It's really simple. Uh, We'll break it down as we go along. Straight up, let me tell you that this passage is not telling you that what you probably think it is telling you. Look at verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. I guess at some subconscious level, we're all perhaps reading this verse as if it is telling us that God gives the apostles and prophets and and evangelists and shepherds and teachers and leaders to build the church. I want to really draw our attention closely to what this verse is telling us, what we think this verse is telling us. That chart up there is, I think, what we all at some subconscious level assume what this passage, these two verses, is telling us. We assume that God gives leaders in the church, the apostles, the prophets, teachers, uh, etc. God gives leaders in the church who do ministry to the members of the church. That's kind of what we assume. Sure, there's truth in it. This is not untrue. But this is hardly complete. And this is not the point this passage is making. This is what we think the passage is telling us. But is that what this passage is really telling us? Let's look at those two verses again. It'll come up for us on screen. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and shepherds, and teachers... To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. That's what this is telling us. Let's break this up. What are the leaders doing? The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists. What are they doing here? Are they doing ministry according to this passage? No. What this passage is telling us is that the leaders are equipping the saints for ministry. So who is doing the ministry here? The saints are doing the ministry. The leaders are equipping the saints, and the saints do the ministry. Now, I think this needs to be clarified straight up before we go any further. When the Bible, is, when the Bible says saints, it's referring to all of us. It's not some extra special people. Uh, we are all saints in Christ. And if you're thinking, you, if you're thinking you can get away by saying, I, I'm hardly a saint, I'm such a bad sinner, I confess my sins in the CBR group every day. Uh, well, the truth is, in Christ, we are all saints and sinners simultaneously. The grace of God, the grace of Christ covers us and transforms us into saints. Even as God sanctifies us, our sins are real. Uh, we cannot condone our sins But God gives us grace and helps us overcome. So it's true that we are all saints and sinners simultaneously. When the Bible says saints, there are no exceptions. So we are all saints here. So the leaders of the church are equipping the members of the church to do ministry. And so the second chart that I have here is the true biblical structure of church ministry which is leaders equipping members of the church to do ministry 
to one another. This is God's plan for the church. This is the design that Christ has for his bride, the church. It's not about leaders doing ministry to members, but leaders equipping members so that the members can minister to one another. This is the richness and the beauty and the glory of the church, the body of Christ. So this morning, would you allow, would we, all of us, and and that I'm including myself in this, of course, would we allow this biblical structure of church ministry to shake us up a little bit? Biblically, the church does not end with the congregation receiving from the leaders. Biblically, church is complete when leaders faithfully equip the members and members faithfully serve one another. And so this morning, I want to invite us to reflect on this question. Which church structure are we living in? Which church structure are we living? What are we subconsciously assuming? Which church structure have we brought into? Have we bought into? Uh, Ministry is a really big word. Uh, For some of us, I know it's quite an intimidating word. We don't really feel called to ministry. And, and, and I recognize that. I mean, I respect that. That's, that's real. That's true. Let's just replace the word ministry with its true meaning, which is basically serving. All ministry is basically serving. So in the biblical church, leaders equip members to serve one another. And so this morning, I want to invite us to reflect on how can I serve? How have I been serving? And going forward, how can I serve? And the Bible is absolutely celebrates small ways of serving. I mean, you just have to read this incident that happened where Jesus took a few uh, loaves of bread and a few fish from a small little boy and just fed 5,000. Right? The small things matter. Small little things are beautiful and glorious in the, in the eyes of God. Jesus tells that if you... If you, you gave someone a glass of water, and that glass of water you gave me, the small things count. So let's look at, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of small ways in which we can all serve. Ministry might sound like a really intimidating word, but small acts of service we can all do. Inviting someone home for a meal is serving someone you don't really know very well, someone who's new to church perhaps, just inviting them home for a meal, or having coffee with someone. If you don't have a home, if you're a single living in the city, you don't have a home to invite people to, just just taking someone out for coffee or a meal, just loving them, listening to them, is, is serving. Picking up some small way in which we can all serve at the Sunday service, maybe once a month, that's a great way of serving. Now how about signing up to to join the setup team in, in helping uh, by coming at 9.30 a.m. every week, once a month, once in two months. Uh, how about baking a cake and, and sharing? We all love cakes, I can assure you. Uh, uh, and sharing that with the congregation after the service. We're hoping to resume kids' service, kids' church soon. Uh, how about signing in to serve for that once a month, once, once in two months, whatever works for you. Uh, how about we've been ha- kind of beginning to start these gospel huddles 
Uh, how about just getting something to eat uh, for everyone at, at the huddle? How about sponsoring lunch one Sunday? The community lunch that we had last week was, was so much joy and such a blessing. How about sponsoring that once in two months, once in three months, maybe half of that cost, a third of that cost, whatever we're able to give. How about volunteering to manage the slides that, that Shireen is doing and so many others have been faithfully doing? Praying is such a great way of serving. Praying. Generosity. Quiet generosity is an amazing way of serving. Just showing up and, and, and sharing what the Lord lays in our heart is an amazing way of sharing. You know, we had Asha uh, uh, join us for a gospel huddle a few weeks ago, and she just shared her heart. She just shared the things she's been struggling with. I don't want to share her struggles on her behalf, but suffice to say that she shared her heart, and we were all so blessed. Our perspective of life changed. She didn't, she may not have realized it, but she was serving every one of us, including Aji and I, deeply. Uh, I read uh, an article in, in the Gospel Coalition US this, this, yesterday, and it talked about how it is important for nursing mothers. Uh, Taru, if you're listening to this, this is not us trying to say, come back to church early, not at all. Uh, but I'm just showing this as an illustration. Uh, she, you know, this article said, when, when nursing, young nursing mothers just show up, to the church service, it is a beautiful way of serving. It just shows and encourages so many people. Just to see a young mother show up for service is such an encouragement to, to everyone else. We serve. We can serve in so many small ways and big. In, in your handouts, you will see a simple one-page note. Uh, take a moment uh, is there something, even if this is your very first time in a church, if you're in New City, if you feel led, if you feel stirred, anything, something small, simple, why don't you just put your name on it, take it and, and, and just leave it here or give it to me at the, at the end of the service. We're constantly looking to invite people to serve, not just because there are needs in the church, of course there are needs in the church, but even more so because this is God's design for the church. One of the things New City celebrates is, is not, just, not just the teaching of God's word, but by the living of God's word. And so we want to be a church that is true to God's word. We don't want to be a church that's, that's convenient to what's culturally convenient around us. You know, I know all of us work really hard. I know people work 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day. I know people work on Saturdays. That's That's real. But, but that's not an excuse to not be the church God's called us to be. And so there are a thousand small ways in which we can all serve. And then here's the point. Every small thing counts. None of us ever need to be unworthy that we're doing only small things. Because whether we're doing small things or big things or medium things, if we are doing it all by the grace of God that saved us and by the grace of God that's sanctifying us. And the truth, the bottom line of serving in church ministry is not that we are doing tasks, but we are loving people. The bottom line in church ministry is loving people. So whether if someone just clicking on the slides or, or, or helping with breakfast, it is all out of a love for Christ and a love for people. So that's the first thing I wanted to draw out from this passage, the structure of church ministry. 
leaders equipping members to minister to one another, to love and serve one another. The second part of church ministry is the true nature of church ministry. When I say true nature, I I just mean what does this serving look like? What are things we can actually do? What is this passage calling us to do? And that's then verses 14 and 15. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. This, these two verses speak about two realities. The first reality, we are all going to be tossed to and fro. The second reality, we need to speak the truth in love to each other. Two realities. First, we're all going to be tossed to and fro. As we saw right out of the time of worship, we live in a world. In this world, we will be shaken. None of us, none of us, not me, nobody, none of us are perfectly anchored in Christ. We're all growing together. None of us see the circumstances around us as clearly and as objectively as we should. You know, if there's a trouble in our lives, there's something that's causing us anxiety, I can assure us, none of us are seeing it clearly enough. Third, none of us see the truth of the gospel in the light of those circumstances clearly. Of course, we see a little bit, but in our moment of trouble, the songs we were singing Psalm 62, in our moment of trouble, we are not, none of us are seeing the truth and the power and and the person of Christ Jesus as clearly as we should. And so for this reason, every one of us are being tossed to and fro. Life does that to us. Doesn't matter how senior you are. Doesn't matter if you've pastored a church for 35 years. Life does shake us up. That's reality in this broken world. So the first truth. The second truth this passage is talking about is we need to speak the truth in love to each other. Speak the truth in love. So in a a situation where we're being tossed to and fro, where we're not able to see the real circumstances, when we're not able to see the real truth of the gospel, see the real Christ, we need one another to speak the truth in love. This has to be in a place of love. Not that I know better than you. I'm superior to you. I'm going to tell you what to do. How stupid you are. You can't see what's happening in us. I'll come and tell you. No, no, not at all. But in a posture of love. But in that posture of love, we do need to speak the truth to people, to one another. This is how, the, this is the nature of church ministry. We are called in Christ Jesus to speak the truth to one another. Not just situational truth, but absolute truth of the gospel. Situational truth, we must share situational truth. Situational truth is, you know, your boss is not really as bad as you think he is or she is. That's a situational truth. Or, or the troubles in relationship that you think are having, you're having, is not really as bad as you think that. that. That is situational truth. We need to tell people that. You know, 
I love blowing up my troubles out of proportion. And please tell me you do that too. We all do that. We need each other to, we need our gospel friends to speak the truth to us in love. That's situational truth. But that's not enough. We also need to speak the absolute truth, the absolute truth of the gospel, that Christ is our cornerstone. A thousand things may fail us, they may disappoint us, but they can never crush us. Because in Christ, we are whole, we are complete, we are secure. So none of us, none of us can grow individually. And let me also tell you, this might shock some of us, none of us can grow just by attending church. Sure, some of us will grow some, but but we've got to serve. We've got to speak the truth and love to one another. We've got to be engaged in community. This is not my idea. This is how Christ wants to build his church. And so even if you've never had the opportunity to serve in some way or the other, even if you've never had the opportunity to speak the truth in love or have others speak the truth in love, God desires us to start. It's a journey. I I, I get that. I, I know some of us are introverted. It might surprise you, but deep inside, I'm an introverted person. I'd rather be by myself. Sure, I, I've, I've kind of grown to and, and learned to, uh, but I can tell you that I'm not the most happiest when I'm in the midst of 30, 40 people. I'm the most happiest when I'm alone, and my wife knows that, and she doesn't like that, but, but that's who I am. And, and so I, I get that. I know it's not easy for some of us, and, and here's the beauty of it. God is not calling us to take those huge leaps Jesus, in his tender love, he's inviting us to take those small steps. And he's there with us in every one of, one of those steps. So we do need to open our lives to one another. We do need to allow um, people to speak the truth to one another. We do need to speak the truth in love to others. We need to allow others to speak the truth in us. If you don't, I can assure you that you're going to have the most hated pastor in church. Because if it's only the pastor, you know, if it's only Aji and I who are kind of speaking the truth and love to people all the time, then it's just a question of time before the pastor becomes the most hated person in the church. And I think this is one area we need to grow as a church. You know, because we all love each other, we are great friends with each other, we hang out with each other, but we don't really speak the truth in love. In gentleness, in patience, in forbearance, we don't do that enough with one another. And that's not, thankfully, the job of only the pastor. The job of the leaders is to equip members to do ministry to one another. This is how the early church grew. This is how the church today will grow. This is how uh, New City will grow. That's the second thing the true nature of church ministry. Third and the last, the true goal of church ministry. What's the end objective? What is the prize we are running for? Why are we doing all this? What's the goal? What's the finish line? What are we running toward? It's there in verse 15 of the passage we read. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ 
from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part each member you and i each of us working is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love the goal of all church ministry is to speak the truth in love to one another so that we will all grow up in every way into Christ so the goal the, the finish line the end prize of all church ministry is that we will grow up into him to put in other words in one of the biggest theme themes of the book of ephesians the end prize is to grow in our union with christ nothing less nothing less the goal of church ministry is together each of us will serve one another to grow in our union with christ the bible uses the analogy just as this passage does that christ is the head and we are members and so we are united with him that's where this idea of our union with christ comes from union with christ let me assure you is not a, it's not an illustration it's not a metaphor it's not an analogy it is a reality we are living in present union with christ and the beauty of our union with christ is not that it is 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 that it's not just an individual union where i'm united to christ you know you are united to christ you are united to christ it's not just an individual union but as this passage helps us see by seeing the body and many members this is a communal communal union with christ we are not you know independent individualistic members in individual union with christ no we are a body each member dependent on one another together as a body being united with christ when this verse says so when each part is working pro- properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love it talks about a communal union with christ the reality is our union with christ is experienced by the holy spirit through people in the church so i cannot grow in my union with christ by myself because the union is with with the entire body together the entire body is united to christ my union with christ is through other members of the body of christ if you remember in ephesians chapter 3 this beautiful prayer that paul prayed this is what he was inviting us into ephesians chapter 3 verses 17 and 18 so that christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and i pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with the lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of christ we have all individualized our salvation way too much yes we are saved as individuals but we are not saved only as individuals we are saved as individuals who are knit together as one body the suffering of our savior is to build a body of redeemed people joined together 
together experiencing union with Christ. When Christ was whipped before his crucifixion, he was whipped not just to save us as individuals, but to save us together into community. When the crown of thorns was, when the crown of thorns pierced his forehead, it was not just a price he paid only to have individual relationships with each of us. No. He paid that price. He took that punishment of the Father for your sins and mine upon himself so that we can have a communal relationship with him. So to minimize the communal implications of our salvation is to minimize the suffering of our Savior. It's to minimize what Christ died for on the cross. So this morning, as I close in prayer, allow me to just say this. None of us need to feel condemned. Because God is not calling us to make those big steps that we cannot take. God, Christ, rich in his mercy, rich in his grace, is inviting every one of us to take those small, tiny steps. And I want to assure us with all the faith in Christ Jesus, with the, with the weight of God's word behind this assurance, when we, as we take these small steps... Every small step also enabled by God's grace as we take these small steps to give ourselves to community as Christ give, gave himself for us, we will be richly blessed. You will not lose because you give something to another member of Christ's body. You will not lose. You will not be poorer for it. You will not be weaker for it. You will not find yourself ashamed because of it. We will be richer. That's, that's the way the gospel works. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will find it. This morning, would you come at yourselves? For those of us who are already serving, we want to celebrate that. How can we serve more? Because the Lord gave all of himself to us. For those of us who, who, are, who have had this desire and those of us who feel, I don't know what I can do, some small step, God will give us grace. Let us pray. Uh, Father, we worship you, Lord. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your design of the church. Lord, we do not want to build church according to our convenience. We do not want to build church according to uh, what's convenient in the light of the culture we live in. We want to stay true to the biblical design of the church. And so we give ourselves. I give myself, Lord. And I know I can see many ways in which I have failed to really live out the biblical design of the church. And we come before you in repentance saying we have failed. So help us, Lord. Help us. Help us to grow into the fullness of of God's plan for his church. We recognize that we are the bride of Christ and Christ is sanctifying his bride, beautifying his bride, us, for his glory. And we give ourselves joyfully to that. In Jesus' name we pray.